Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the dots between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. Confession. I love winning more than I love God. Now, I've said it, but let me prove this to you in three parts. One, by explaining St. Augustine's concept of disordered love, which essentially is sinful idolatry. Two, by unpacking the role of anger as an indicator of disordered love. And three, by discussing what you can actually do to get your heart set right. So there, I said it. And as St. Augustine would concur, in my heart, I have issues of disordered love. And I'm going to use a simple example to illustrate my point. You may think my example is superfluous or uneventful, but let me tell you the emphasis I have placed on my love for winning more than my love for God, or even my neighbor for that matter. And it all stems from a baseness in my own heart. One I might add that I am determined with God's help, to obliterate. Essentially, loving anything more than God is sinful, and put simply, it is idolatry. Let me read to you how the late Dr. Timothy Keller, in his book, Making Sense of God, An Invitation to the Skeptical, put it as he analyzed St. Augustine's Confessions. Quote, As a 19-year-old, Augustine read Cicero's dialogue, Hortensius. This work considered the paradox that every person sets out to be happy, but the majority are thoroughly wretched. Cicero concluded that the extreme scarcity of human contentment might be a judgment of divine providence for our sins. He counseled his readers not to seek happiness in the pursuit of material comfort, sex, or prosperity, but rather to find it in philosophical contemplation. The book was electrifying to the young Augustine. One of his lifelong projects became to discover why most people are so discontent and bereft of joy. He concluded that our discontent has both a functional cause and an ultimate source. The functional cause of our discontent is that our loves are, quote, out of order. Augustine taught that we are most fundamentally shaped, not as much by what we believe or think or even do, but by what we love. For when we ask whether somebody is a good person, we are not asking what he believes or hopes for, but what he loves. For Augustine, what we call human virtues are nothing more than forms of love. Courage is loving your neighbor's well-being more than your own safety. Honesty 
is loving your neighbor's interests more than your own, even when the truth will put you at a disadvantage. And because Jesus himself said that all God's law comes down to loving God and your neighbor, from Matthew 22, 36 through 40, Augustine believed all sin was ultimately a lack of love. In short, what you love most at the moment is what controls your action at the moment. A body by its weight tends to move toward its proper place. My weight is my love. Wherever I am carried, my love is carrying me. You are what you love. Augustine did not see our problems as stemming only from a lack of love. He also observed that the heart's loves have an order to them and that we often love less important things more and the more important things less. Therefore, the unhappiness and disorder of our lives are caused by the disorder of our loves. A just and good person is also a person who has rightly ordered his love so that he does not love what it is wrong to love or fail to love what should be loved or love too much what should be loved less or love too little what should be loved more. How does this work? There's nothing wrong with loving your work, but if you love it more than your family, then your loves are out of order and you may ruin your family. Or if you love making money more than you love justice, then you will exploit your employees again because your loves are disordered. End quote. So my example, my story, well, it's a pickleball story that seems to be repeated rather often in my life. Here's the thing. I'm competitive. Is that on its own a bad thing? Not necessarily, but there is something called a competitive spirit that kind of visits me sometimes. This spirit, if you will, knocks on my heart's door just like that, demanding attention. I suppose most of us love to win, but when you love to win more than say having fun or learning, or if you love to win to gain approval from others, to somehow prove yourself, or if you love to win because this somehow makes you quote better than another player, well, Houston, we have a problem. When losing incites unrighteous anger in your heart, that's a pretty good indicator that your anger is ungodly. If you lose and you start spouting a lot of negatives from your mouth, there's something going on much deeper in your soul. But let's pause and talk about anger. The emotion of anger may be inadvertently revealing what you love. What does the Bible have to say about anger? Check out these verses. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And these are all the NIV version. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick tempered displays folly. James 1, 19 and 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. Or Colossians 3, 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. 
These verses emphasize the importance of controlling anger, being slow to anger, and avoiding letting anger lead to sin. The Bible encourages you to practice patience, forgiveness, and understanding in all your interactions with others. It also highlights the destructive nature of unchecked anger and its potential to harm relationships. Yes, check. God was angry at times and so too Jesus, which tells us that it is an okay emotion. The problem is when the anger is explosive or destructive, when you sin when you're angry. What happens to me when I get angry? I say things that are unhealthy and not helpful. And this leads me to another point about anger. What happens in your brain when you get angry? The amygdala, which plays a key role in processing emotions, particularly fear and aggression, is activated. The prefrontal cortex, responsible for decision-making and impulse control, may become less active, leading to a reduced ability to regulate emotional responses. Yeah, that's kind of what you're going to see happens to me in my story that I'm going to tell you in a moment. Additionally, the hypothalamus and the brainstem are involved in triggering the physical manifestations of anger, such as increased heart rate, elevated blood pressure, and the release of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. Yep, don't miss the fact that cortisol is now ripping through your body. When your emotions are in control, so to speak, it's so much easier to say or do things that you will regret later. For me, the words of my mouth are stellar indicators of what's really going on in my heart, even in the heat of the moment. Matthew 12, 34 says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That verse gets me every single time. Okay, so where are we? Admittedly, I discovered that I was prone to love winning more than loving God and pursuing godliness in my heart and my behavior. This is disordered love. When I lose, I become self-focused and dismal to the point of becoming angry and expressing my anger verbally in destructive, somewhat explosive ways, particularly to my spouse. And let me illustrate all of this with a real life story. So I have the new Diadem Warrior V2 Pickleball Paddle, and I want to tell you a little bit about it. According to the manufacturer, it has a 3XL core. It's got two layers of polypropylene honeycomb surrounding one sheet of powerful aramid honeycomb, which will provide you pace when you need it and control when you don't. It has a liquid carbon fiber edgeless design, providing strength and durability for long-term performance with a more lightweight construction. That's one of the things I noticed about this paddle. It's Edgeless. I absolutely love that. Etched carbon fiber face. You know, etching creates longer lasting spin production on top of strong woven carbon fibers for maximum durability. It has a 19 millimeter thick core and it's the thickest pickleball paddle on the planet, providing you with ample stability while maintaining a comfortable tapered grip circumference. Every paddle comes with replaceable protective paddle armor to keep your edges fresh and your paddle protected. It's like a little tape that goes around the edges of your paddle because sometimes you may scrape it against the ground for example i use this paddle i absolutely love it it's a bit pricey but anything diadem you get is going to be excellent quality and i highly recommend it click the link in the show notes to find out more about this paddle and recently jim and i participated in a pickleball league that lasted about six weeks 
we happened to be positioned on the same team with another guy and gal. So there were four of us all together. Each week we played four games, two gender doubles and two mixed doubles. So every week Jim and I played at least one game together. You must know that I have earnestly been working so hard on my attitude when I play ball, especially with Jim. Truly, I have. And even Jim has noticed improvement in my areas. I'm even writing a devotional for pickleball-loving couples that is soon to be released. So be on the lookout for that. Because if you've ever played pickleball with your spouse, you know the challenges. It's hard. Why? Because you may treat your spouse a bit differently than you would ever treat any other partner in part because you know your spouse is stuck with you and will love you through all the junk all this to say the last night of the league we had a tournament of sorts it was a double header so we were going to play twice together jim and i our team was the number four seed and we had to play the number one seed because we were in the medal rounds even driving to the court that day i have to tell you that i was weary i was actually quite weary and emotionally exhausted over a few other things that were going on in my life. And it was a very long day. Normally, Jim and I pray quite a bit before playing together because I need that extra layer of protection and security over my attitude, my mindset, my words. We played fairly well together, but we lost our first mixed doubles match. When we came off the court, I felt so disgruntled and angry that we had not played better. And that is precisely when I started spewing negativity and anger. Now, mind you, what is the source of those thoughts that become words? That's right. It's my heart. And I had already been thinking thoughts while I was playing with him during that game that were not helpful. They were, they were destructive. And I said things to him, though, verbally when we were sitting down and reflecting over the game. I said these things. Can you believe this? You and I don't play well together anymore. You don't focus. You're just out to have fun. You're so distracted when you play. Why can't you just put the ball over the net on your serve? Okay. Essentially, I verbally attacked him. Somehow, because he has nerves of steel and he's so kind-hearted that he resisted any urges to bite back. Instead, he gently reminded me that a few weekends ago, he and I had won 4.0 silver medals in a very competitive mixed doubles competition in Louisville. Now, that did kind of help me to calm down a bit, but then we had to play another game. Okay, get this. We were ahead 19 to 13, and we had two points to win this game. We only played to 21. It was rally scoring. We battled hard, but the other team came back and ended up beating us 23 to 21. Oh my goodness. I, I feel it rising up in me right now, even as I'm recording this and telling you, I felt so angry and disappointed in myself that after that game was over, I could hardly say good game to our opponents as we paddle tapped at the net when the game was over. My face was contorted. I had a scowl written all over me and a grimace that would make the Grinch look like Santa himself. The perfect word to describe me at that moment, U-G-L-Y, ugly. So I asked myself, what did I love more in that moment? 
Did I love God or did I love winning? Clearly, I loved winning more than anything. Because had we won, I would have been happy as a clam. But losing sends me in a tailspin of self-deprecation and jealousy. The things I said after losing this game caused Jim to threaten to be done playing ball with me. It was just that bad. He went so far as to suggest at this point that I find another pickleball partner for mixed doubles, one who played closer to my more competitive style. He was kind of just done with me that night and because we had continued the conversation later at home, but it was now getting close to 10 p.m. And it was, you know, we hadn't even had dinner. So finally we had something to eat and things, the dust was kind of starting to settle a little bit in my heart. And then what starts happening? Well, Holy Spirit conviction was beginning to just kind of wash over me. And now instead of feeling angry, guess what I felt? I felt ashamed. And then what does that do when you feel shame? Well, the enemy of your soul has an open door to accuse you of your faults. So now for me personally, I had another battle to face in my thought life. Suffice it to say that we all know that it's not about the toilet seat being left up, is it? It's not about the surface stuff. It's always about heart refinement and boy, does my heart need transformation. Here are some of the thoughts that I have when I win. And they're going to give you a clue to why I hate to lose. Some may not be conscious for me, but they are at least quite likely in my heart. I'm comparing and saying things like, I play better than so-and-so. Or I'm thinking about what everyone might be thinking about me. And all of these are cognitive dysfunctions, right? Everyone will think I'm a great player. People will admire me and my skills. I have proven just how hard I try by winning. Winning is my identity and a token of my success in life. I am valued more when I win. Sadly, winning had become my sole focus in pickleball, which leads to a mindset that may disregard ethics, fair play, and the well-being of others. I may even have valued winning over the feelings of others. Such an approach can foster a toxic environment and damage relationships, both personal and professional. Such a focus on winning can also be detrimental when it leads to excessive stress. Think about what's going on in my brain, right? And all the cortisol. It can cause anxiety and an inability to appreciate the process and journey toward a goal, like becoming better at pickleball, for example, or improving. The pressure to win at all costs causes me to overlook the joy and learning that come from the experience itself and hinders my personal growth and development. So let's recap. My desire to win is a disordered love. Not only is the desire off base according to God, but when I demonstrate unrighteous anger, saying things or behaving in ways that are unchristlike, it's sinful and idolatrous. I'm not sure if you've heard of J.D. Greer, but he's a pastor out of North Carolina who wrote an article titled, Disordered Anger Comes from Disordered Love. Now he says this, and I'm going to give you so many examples that he gives you. I'm going to quote from this article, and you're going to see a lot of examples. And I want to ask you, where do you fit in here? Can you analyze something in your life where you're a little bit out of kilter? Let's listen. Quote, Whenever something makes you mad, you should always ask yourself what your anger is defending. When your teenager comes home late, what drives your anger? 
the fact that they cause you to worry and lose sleep shouldn't be the biggest issue. Emotionally, you may want to make it the biggest issue because that's how the episode affected you. But the biggest issue is their disregard for rules. Are you angry because of the inconvenience or the threat to their soul? Be honest. If I get mad at my wife because she is texting when I'm trying to talk with her, is my anger lovingly motivated because I am concerned with the harm her self-absorption causes to her and those around her? Or am I responding in anger because I feel hurt that she's not paying attention to me? Anybody else get mad when traffic is slammed and those cars shoot up the highway ramp to try and get as far as they can before forcing their way in? If you're like me, you may get righteously indignant and hang two inches off the bumper in front of you so they can't merge. But can we be candid for a moment? That kind of action doesn't seem to anger you or me when we're doing it, does it? When you get mad at work, because your contributions weren't recognized? Is your anger fueled by a love of your own praise? Don't let yourself off the hook by assuming you just want everyone to be given the credit they deserve, unless of course, you get just as upset when your coworker isn't praised as she should be. End quote. Those are good examples, aren't they? And I hope that what this is causing you to do is to analyze your own heart. And I know it's sticky. I know it's hard. Even for me to confess this, you know, in part, I'm like, oh gosh, everybody's going to think I'm so immature. I'm so childish. Why am I not doing better at my age? Do you ever guilt yourself with that? Like at my age, I should be more patient. At my age, I should be able to manage my time better. At my age, haven't I learned anything? We can be so very hard on ourselves. But what I'm trying to do here is to illustrate that there is hope here. We can, with God's help, change. And I want to look a little bit about what you can do when you recognize that the loves of your life are disordered, just like I'm doing. Let's do this together. Let's be honest with each other and transparent that we've got a little bit of work to do, but let's not berate ourselves because we have a little bit of work to do. Let's be kind to ourselves in the process, knowing that we're working out our salvation. Well, first, you can prime the pump by believing that God can change you. He longs for your heart to be purified far more than you might. He's in the heart business. He made you in his image, And he wants you to positively reflect that image and to be a torchbearer for his truth. When you fail, as I did in my pickleball playing example, he is there to wash you up and set you back up on higher ground. You can confess to God your transgressions. Cry out to him to help you change. Ask him to put a sentinel up at your mouth so that you won't use your words in ungodly ways. Ask him to purify and cleanse your mind and heart, because after all, that's what your words are reflective of, right? Ask God to search you and reveal to you any anxious or unwholesome thoughts or motives. Ask him to forgive you and then ask others affected for their forgiveness. Now, back to my story. For me personally, 
I might take a few weeks off playing pickleball to just really get a greater appreciation of all the things that I genuinely love and that are okay to love about playing pickleball, like the fresh air, sunshine, great community and the fellowship, as well as the beneficial physical exercise for my brain and body. In other words, I'm going to shift my loves. Yes, I'm going to love God, of course, but my the the loves that I quote loves that I have associated with pickleball are just benefits actually of playing pickleball. But I'm still going to love God and I'm going to say God, thank you for all of these things that I get to do. It's a shift in my focus and then I'm asking God to help reorient my thoughts when it comes to actually playing itself. I'm going to use different affirmations instead of oh, winning is my identity and I can earn or you know, get the approval of others when I win. Instead of those kinds of thoughts, I'm going to rewire my brain to kind of affirm these types of thoughts like this. I will play my best. If I lose, I will learn. And it should be not if I lose, but when I lose, right? Because we are going to lose. I cannot possibly win every single game. My partner is playing his or her best. I should say that and recognize that even like, for example, with Jim, he's really out there playing his best. He doesn't mean to hit it in the net or whatever, but he's also committed to having fun and winning is not the most important thing for him. He has such a good, healthy attitude about it. And like I said, I'm trying to shift my attitude as well. I think you know that by my confession here on the show today, I can say things like there's more to playing pickleball than winning. I can learn how to better display Christ when I win or when I lose. The achievements of others do not diminish my own abilities or potentials. I want to demonstrate a Christ-like attitude whether I win or lose. Pickleball can help to refine my heart and chisel away at those things that are ungodly. If I can't think of something upbeat and uplifting to say, I will say nothing. That's what your grandmother would tell you, right? And truly, I can learn to control my temper. These focused affirmations can be a powerful tool to foster a healthy mindset and improve my attitude when I play anything competitive. They can help me become a better player and reduce competitive jealousy. After dealing with the heart issues, it may be time to address your anger and learn how to control your temper. Now, here are just a few strategies that may help you. Recognize the signs, learn to identify the physical and emotional cues that indicate you're getting angry. And for me, this would be my facial expressions, the increased heart rate, the grimace on my face, the scowling, the negative words that start to come out of my mouth. Those are all signs for me that I'm having anger and I want to kind of cut those off at the pass. I can take a break or you can take a break. Remove yourself from the situation temporarily to give yourself time to cool down and regain perspective. For me, I may take more than just a few moments out or a day off, but an extended time off from playing pickleball just to regroup. You can practice relaxation techniques, deep breathing. Now I have done that historically on the court. When I notice that I'm, you know, getting a little bit tense or anxious, I can try deep breathing and start using the correct affirmations while I'm playing. Those help me to relax and gain control of my emotions and manage stress. You can develop empathy. I can 
you and I both can try to understand the perspective of others, like everybody's trying to play their best, which can help diffuse feelings of anger and resentment. Communicate effectively. Use assertive and respectful communication to others and to yourself to express your feelings and concerns without escalating the conflict. Of course, in your life, if it's something really extreme, you can seek professional help, a guided counselor or your pastor, especially if you find it challenging to control your anger. Consider seeking guidance in that area and maybe some additional effective coping strategies and behavioral interventions. And of course, you can pray. Continue to ask God to help you be transformed through the renewing of your mind. Beseech him to help you take all those thoughts captive that are contrary to his will for your life and to replace them with his life-giving truth. By implementing these strategies, you can develop better emotional regulation and learn to manage your anger more effectively, which will lead to healthier relationships and improved overall well-being. But now remember, anger was just kind of an indicator of a disordered love. So you want to bring back into question, what are the loves of your life? And, you know, I am on a mission to bring you another podcast down the road, another episode where I speak of the progress that I've made in this area. I'm not sure where you struggle with anger. I'm not sure what you love most in life as a Christ follower, but maybe, just maybe, you will consider the crux of the matter. In Matthew 22, it says, when this is Jesus speaking, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Is this what you are truly doing? Please don't give up hope for change, no matter how old you are or how set you may be in your ways. Lasting transformation is only one thought away. Now, thank you for tuning in. And I hope that I've left you today with a whole lot to think about. God bless you. I love you so much. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend, or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choosetothink.co. That's with the number two, choosetothink.co, to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you.